0: Well, good morning, friends. Um, It is podcast number 371. It is for Friday, September 10th. We're in Colossians. Let's look at our two verses that we're memorizing uh, that will help us understand Colossians and the preeminence of Christ. Chapter 1, verse 19, For in him, Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and in colossians chapter 2 verse 9 for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily we understand from those scriptures that jesus was more than a prophet jesus more than a good man jesus was god in human flesh he was um emmanuel god with us remember there was predicted at his birth, was prophesied at his birth, that he would come and he would be with us. And the scripture says, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save um, this world from their sins. John one twenty nine also behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Um, so we have multiple witnesses to the fact of who Jesus is. Now in Colossians, we see Um, Paul encouraging uh, a church he's never met because of his friend Epaphras, who was the one who created the church or founded the church. um, After Epaphras spent his time in Ephesus, gave his heart to the Lord, began to become a mighty servant of the Lord. And Paul uh, gives back to Colossians this beautiful letter and that we're studying we have the the time to do this we're there's only four chapters but we'll probably be in this for at least a month there's so there's a lot of a lot of stuff here in fact we're on verse six of chapter one and uh, i think we're in you know five lessons into this so i hope it's okay that we're we're slow playing it we're taking our time and we're enjoying it i hope um if you were to give a gift to the world what would you give If you were to give a gift to the world, what would you give? John 3.16 says, um, For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. The greatest gift ever given was the life of his son, Jesus Christ. Romans 8.32 said, God spared not his own son, but gave him up for you and for me. In chapter, chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, um, it's a continuation, remember, which has come to you, the truth of the gospel, <clears throat> as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. As it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the, the grace of God in truth. Can I just tell you as I read that? I'm reminded that we here in the West, if you're in the West, the Western part of the world, are not the only ones who have the gospel. Um, I read the other day uh, from a missionary that there are over 200,000 Christians, they believe, in Afghanistan. In Afghanistan. And was watching um, a, a, a Christian television show the other day. and. And obviously the people were anonymous, they were talking, their faces and voices were garbled because they were in Iraq. And they're saying that at this point in time, missionaries, uh, societies say that Iraq is the fastest growing Christian church in the world, although it's all underground. So we pray for uh, the message to go out. And what Paul is saying is the message is going out and it's bearing fruit in the whole world, meaning at that time, the whole uh, then known world. And how did that happen? Normally, we would say, well, people are sent and that's all Romans chapter 10. That's true. But how were they sent? They were sent because of really because of persecution, because of difficult times. And I believe we're facing some of the most difficult times in probably our lifetime. Will it get better? Will it get worse? I, I just know it will be part of the plan of God. But the whole plan, the whole purpose is for there to be fruit. Uh, fruit in your own life and then fruit through your life. Paul said that the gospel is bearing fruit in all the world. The word of God is the only seed that can be planted anywhere in the world and bear fruit. I love that. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23 says, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now we have general revelation which is from psalm 19 it says the whole earth right declares the glory of the lord i mean you look around at the beauty of the lord there's so there's general revelation that goes out that there is a god then there's specific revelation he sent his son jesus christ wrapped him in human flesh john 1 14 and sent him to the world the greatest gift of all and so the message is to go out to all creation. It's not to go to just you and to me. Look at verse 28. It says, him, Christ, we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That we may present everyone mature in Christ. We have our part. We're to, we're to give um, witness to the fact of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 verses 13 through 17. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How's that supposed to happen? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? Who preach the good news? How are they supposed to know? How are we supposed to go? The Holy Spirit sends us. The Holy Spirit sent Epaphras, drew him to Ephesus. He heard the message He stayed and he was discipled, and then he was sent back. He went back to his own and he presented the gospel to them. False teachers that Paul is dealing with do not go and spread a gospel. They go into a group, they invade a group, and then they try to tear apart that group. That's what false teachers do. That's not what... Believers do. Believers go and they spread the good news of the gospel to bring about maturity, but false teachers tear it apart. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a church where someone comes into the church and it's just almost seems like immediately there's there's issues and there's problems and they're questioning and they're they're, they're doing everything. And I'm not saying we shouldn't we shouldn't um, make sure that what's being taught and what's being preached is the truth, but uh, they, they they just want to argue and they just want to fight and they just want to rip apart and they want to bring in, um, you know, just little tidbits of some other um, belief system. Even if it's about the Bible, oh, that's not what the Bible says. And they want to argue and they want to fight. See, that's that's not what we're supposed to be about. Should we ask questions? Absolutely. But should we ask questions with the idea that we want to learn truth and not just to have everybody get our opinion? See, false teachers are there to destroy. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to kill, still and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And let's begin with verse 14, John three fourteen. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life, whoever. For God so loved the world that he gave his own son, his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. There is salvation in no other name. And so it is our job to proclaim that. It is our job to get out there and to share with people what is happening. As we, as we look at the Colossae church, let's look at uh, just a few things about them that Paul tells us about. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 4. Paul says, since we heard of your faith, he's talking to the Colossian church, in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. They believed in Jesus Christ. So they were founded on, on the truth of the gospel. And because of their faith in Jesus Christ, then they loved the other saints. See, belief is incredibly important. So he he, he, he uh talks to them and says, We've heard of your faith. And we've heard of your love. In in uh Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith, it's impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So it's it's a faith issue, and then it's a love issue. It's a faith issue, and then it's a love issue. Our faith drives us, encourages us, pro- promotes in us this desire to love others. But it must be faith first. It's impossible to hear and not believe, even though the word of God has the power to generate faith in those who hear. Millions of people, it is possible, excuse me, to hear and not to believe. We see this all the time. The Bible says in John chapter one, he came into his own and his own received him not. Right? millions of people have heard the good news of salvation and yet not believed but to those who believe in Jesus Christ he gives us the ability to to uh, be the sons of god not no longer enemies of god no longer uh, slaves to sin but we be, we become the the um sons and the daughters of god through belief it, there was a time years and years ago that it said it, it was said of the west it was said of us that uh, the average person heard the gospel seven, seven and a half times before they responded. So, don't give up if you're planting seeds. Continue to plant seeds and let the, the 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 word of God be that seed. But then water it and and talk to people and share with people and love on people. Why? Because that's what people did for us. That's what God did for us. For God so loved. That he gave. We are not saved by faith in faith. There's this whole movement out there that talks about faith, 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 and I believe in faith, but it is the object of your faith, not your faith, that is the key. It is the object of your faith, not faith, that's the key. We're not saved by uh, faith in a set of doctrines. There are people who can who can quote Scripture. There are people who understand um, some things about Scripture, but that's not what saves them. What saves them is a relationship with Jesus Christ. A relationship with Jesus Christ. Saving faith involves the mind, the emotions, and the will. With the mind, we understand the truth of the gospel. And with the heart, we feel conviction and the need to be saved. But it is only when we exercise the will and commit ourselves to Christ that the process is complete. Faith is not mental assent to a body of doctrines, no matter how true those doctrines may be. Faith is not emotional an emotional concern. Faith is a commitment to Jesus Christ. That's why... I've been involved with church for a long time and I see emotional things happen and those are good. It's good when your emotions get involved, but then it's time to be discipled. Then it's time to ground your faith in the scripture. You have a an, a, 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 an emotional time and people do get emotional when God touches their life and he begins to lift the burdens and they begin to realize that what they were looking for, they have finally found. But from that point, it is your job and my job to disciple people, to get them into the word of God. You will not make it without it. You'll have an emotional experience that will wear off when the difficulties of life come because you have nothing to stand upon. Because everyone who was there, uh, maybe when you had that emotional experience is gone. And the pastor who prayed for you, he's gone, you know, because you you can't be with him twenty four seven. And you go, well, well, I don't know what to do. Well, that's because you're not in the Word of God. And if you're not in the Word of God, to a certain extent, it certain extent, it may be because we have not um, challenged you to get into the Word of God or taught you how to do that. Saving grace is grace is grounded in the gospel. Look at verse twenty three again. Uh, we, We looked at it early. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. I, Paul, became a minister because of that gospel, that same gospel that you have. And I want to talk to you and teach you, and I want to proclaim it to you, and I want you to grow. Look at verse 28. Verse 28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching... Everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Not to present a convert, but we present a disciple. The Bible says, go into all the world, Matthew chapter 28, and, and make disciples, right? We proclaim the gospel. We teach them to obey everything um, that, that I have taught you. That's what Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20 say. That's the great commission. We're to make disciples. And how do we do that? We ground them in the gospel. It is the word of God that gives us assurance as we grow in our in the Lord our faith becomes steadfast. Look at uh, Colossians chapter 2, a couple of scriptures in Colossians chapter 2. First of all, verse 5. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Paul says, I'm not even with you, but I'm excited to hear from you of all the things that are going on in your life. I'm excited to hear from Epaphras that you love God and you love the saints. Look at verse 7. We need to be rooted and built up in Christ and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. He says, listen, Epaphras taught you these things and you need to continue to grow in them. You need to continue to walk in them. The false teachers who had come to Colossae tried to undermine the saints' faith in Christ and the word. This same kind of undermining goes on today. Any religious teaching that dethrones Jesus Christ or that makes salvation other than an experience of God's grace through faith is either confused or anti-Christian and both are of the enemy, both are of the enemy. The false teachers had heard, just like Paul had heard, that the Colossian church was growing. And whenever there's growth, and whenever there's good things, trust me, the enemy will come in and try to sift it and try to destroy it. You become a target of the enemy when you become a Christian. If you're in a Bible believing church, your pastor will be attacked. The enemy will try to destroy, and he will do that many times, um, masquerading as an angel of light, He'll come in as someone who, oh, this is so good and this is somebody we really need in our work, and many times it it will reveal itself to be someone who's from the enemy who's there to destroy. It won't look like the enemy. But there will be destruction from words and there will be hurt and pain and disunity. And I've seen churches ripped apart by just one or two people who've come in and then they're gone. They do their damage and they're on to somewhere else. The enemy uses this disunity and the enemy uses someone to destroy what God is doing. And Paul says, don't let that happen. Stay grounded. Because it's our desire to present you mature before the Lord. And how do we do that? We disciple. We get discipled and then we disciple others. The process has to continue. It started 2,000 years ago and it must continue until the Lord's come, The Lord comes. Let me pray for us in Numbers chapter 6 verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Until we talk again.